One, two, 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 one, two. Welcome to the John Lennon Hour with Jude Sutherland Kessler, author of the John Lennon series. Volume 1, Should Have Been There. Volume 2, Shivering Inside. And Volume 3, She Loves You. Purchase your copy of the John Lennon series at johnlennonseries.com. Welcome, Beatles fans. This is the John Lennon Hour. Well, good evening, everybody. You ever hear yourself whining? Man, if only I could see a new photo of the Beatles instead of the same old, same old ones. Or did you ever catch yourself kind of sighing over the repetition for the 180th time of the same John story, the same George adventure, the same Paul PR thing, the same Ringo tale? Yeah, I I get tired of the same ones too. But sigh no more because tonight we're all going to get to hear, as Monty Python once said, something completely different. You're going to get to sit back and relax with a cuppa, which, of course, is a cup of tea in Liddy Pool, or like me, a Diet Coke. And you're going to get to hear the stories of four Beatle fans, lucky, lucky Beatle fans, whom I'm pretty sure you don't know. These fans got to meet the Beatles for real, and then they were generous enough to share those documented and very authentic tales with our guest tonight. Yep, these great adventures are going to come to us this evening through the hard work and the imagination and the creativity of an extremely special archivist, researcher, and reporter. Now, during the daylight hours, her day job, she's an elementary school teacher who teaches reading very close to St. Louis, Missouri. But in 2009, her passion for collecting Beatles photos turned into something different. She started collecting and verifying and posting online the accounts of fans who got to meet the Beatles. Sometimes they were bold fans who just forced the situation. Sometimes they were very witty and clever and got in by hook or crook, and sometimes they were just plain lucky. But these fans got to meet the Beatles for real, and that's the name of her website, meetthebeatlesforreal.com. And since 2009, her website's taken hold and it's gained immense respect. In fact, if I had a drum, I'd roll it right now. In fact, Mark Lewison told her last year in New York City that he looks at her website every single day. Well, as far as I'm concerned, that's it, you know, as Jennifer Lopez would say, goosies. And that's not all. Our guest tonight is still an avid collector of rare Beatles photos, and she holds the distinction, here's drum roll number two, of having the largest collection of Beatles photographs in the world. Wow. 
And on top of that, guys, she's getting ready to release a portion of Beatles history that's never really been researched before in a brand new book that's coming out very, very soon. I'm going to let her give you the inside scoop on all of that. So if you will, help me welcome to the show the extremely talented, multifaceted lady, my friend, Sarah Schmidt. Let's see if she's here. Sarah, is that you? Hi, Jude. Hey, girl. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm happy to be back on the John Lennon Hour with you. I am so glad to have you here. It's so exciting because have you made a formal announcement yet about your book? Oh, on my blog I have, but that's about it. Okay, well, formally announce it on the show. Tell us straight off, you know, when's it coming out, what's it about, how far along are you, and do you have a date for publication? Well, um, it's about the story of Beatlemania in St. Louis in the 60s, and the main focus is, of course, going to be about the big concert in August of 1966 at Bush Stadium. But I'm also going to have some information in there about George's concert in 1974 in St. Louis and Paul's concerts and Ringo's concerts as well. Oh, that's I've cool. been really busy researching, digging up archives and finding some really interesting information. I've been interviewing tons of interesting people, people that were ushers at Bush Stadium at the time, members of opening acts for the Beatles, people that were backstage, and just you know everyday fans that got to be there. And my plan oh, is, is to have the book out by the summer of 2016 so we can celebrate the 50th anniversary of the Beatles in St. Louis. Oh, that is that is so cool. And, you know, for someone like me, because I'll really need that information when I get to that book in the John Lennon series, and it isn't there. I mean, you know, you're filling in a gap in history that people need so desperately. And I bet you're lo- – are you having a great time doing it? Oh, it's really been fun. It's been really exciting every time. I mean, just yesterday – I got an email from someone who sent me a picture from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch from the 60s and said, see that screaming girl? That's me. And I had seen that picture a lot in my research, and that was just thrilling. I love it. So you are you interviewing her now? Um, I'm trying to get her information, yeah, to see what how she got her picture on the paper. That's pretty cool. Oh, my gosh, that is so exciting. It is, it's just so exciting, and people are going to love this. Well, guys, if you're listening and you went to Bush Stadium, or if you have any adventures around the time that the Beatles came to St. Louis, any of those times that Sarah mentioned, please, please, please get in touch with her and let her. How can they get in touch with you, Sarah? Well, I've set up a special email just for this project, for the book. It's Beatles Bush, and Bush is spelled like Bush Stadium, B-U-S-C-H, 66, at gmail.com. Okay, tell them one and more time. Beatles Bush, B-U-S-C-H, 66, the year they came, at gmail.com. Okay, and it's all, all lowercase letters? All lowercase. And the numerals. And if anyone saw the Beatles at Bush Stadium and they're sitting there thinking, oh yeah, I saw them, but I don't remember much. It it was so long ago and she wouldn't care about my story. You're wrong. I do care about your story. Whatever you remember is great. I have a list of questions I can email you to help jog your memory. So yeah, anybody who was there could email me. That would be awesome. And if they have photos, you really need photos, don't you? Yes. 
any photos or memorabilia would be great. Oh, I also, on my blog, meetthebeatlesforreal.com, right underneath the banner that says Meet the Beatles for Real is a link that says Help Sarah with her book. If you click on that, it has all the information of the things I'm looking for. Good deal. Now, uh, you're on Facebook as well, right? Yes. So they could write, if, if worse comes to worse, if they can't remember any of this, they could look you up on Facebook, right? Right. You look me up, Sarah Schmidt, no H, and Sarah. Okay, good, S-A-R-A. Well, that is amazing. What's the title, or do you want to tell us? Well, okay, as of 6 o'clock tonight, I now have a title officially. It's going to be called Happiness is Seeing the Beatles. I love it. And that is the truth. No truer words were ever spoken. I, I got clearance to use the, the picture for the cover of fans who are holding a banner that say, it says, Happiness is Seeing the Beatles. Oh, great. That is great. I mean, this is so exciting, and it is so needed. So if, guys, if you are one of those people, please, please, please don't just have good intentions and say, oh, yeah, I might do that. Help Sarah get the information for this book. It's very difficult to do, I know, because when I was writing book one in the John Lennon series, should have been there, there was very little information. After 61, they documented every time the Beatles sneezed or cleared their throat. But before 61, it was very hard to get information. So when people came forward and said, I was in the Cavern Club, and here's what happened to me, I could have grabbed them and kissed them help her do this to fill in these gaps and you can write to her on facebook you can go to beetles bush 66 and and what is it beetles bush 66 dot at gmail.com at gmail.com at gmail.com and help her out well speaking of those fans who got to see the beetles in st louis and elsewhere sarah tell us your story what drew you to fan stories i mean i know that you were collecting the photos and that kind of evolved into it but why did you make that transition what drew you to that well i was reading through some of the old fan magazines the fanzines from the 70s that i had bought at a beetle fest at one year and i made the connection between one of the photos that i had and the story that they matched up i thought wow this is so fascinating because it shows another whole side of the Beatles story that we usually don't hear about and the little details that some of these fans recalled just I thought this needs to be out there everyone else needs to be reading this it shouldn't be hidden away in one old magazine that not very many people have a copy of so that's kind of what started it all were you did you just get chill bumps when you realized that nobody was doing that no I I didn't really think of it like that Honestly, I thought me and some of my close Beatle friends would get a kick out of reading these stories, and that was would probably be about five of us would look at this. <laughs> I, I had no idea that anybody else would be interested. Much less Mark Lewison. How about that? I know. That still blows me away. I love it. I just absolutely love it. I think it's fantastic. Okay, so I'm going to ask you the question before someone else does. How can you make sure that a fan story is true? How do you vet it before you post it on the site? Well, most of them come along with a photograph or maybe a newspaper article, a diary entry. So those ones are really easy. The other ones that are more questionable stories, I have to dig into research and make sure that the stories match up with the actual historical facts. 
And so you, you go back and you see if it happened on that day and if that day is correct and all, things like that, right? Right. Although I did find a mistake once, but um, there was a date that a fan had written in her diary that was sure she met Paul McCartney on that day, and all the books I read said that he was in what, Largos doing Band on the Run on that day, and that he wasn't even in the country, and she was adamant that was the day I met Paul McCartney, and sure enough, those history books were wrong. Really? Yes. So she was right and they were wrong. Right, because as we often say at Meet the Beatles for Real, um, you don't forget the date you met a Beatle. That is awesome. I mean, that's huge. Mm, It is. Wow. Well, did you ever post one and then find out it wasn't true? One time, and I was so embarrassed about it. Oh, I'm still, I think about it, I'm like, oh, oh, that was so embarrassing. But most of the Beatles fans are really honest, and they're out there telling their stories to the best that they can remember. Yeah, yeah, I I have to agree with you. You you know, you and I have talked about the fact that we've gone to these fests for years and years and years, the the, um, fest for Beatles fans, whether you're going to the one in New Jersey or you're going to the one in Chicago or like last year at L.A., and people come up to me and they'll say, oh, I'd love to buy your book, but I've run out of money. And I'll say, take the book. Here, I just hand it to them, and you can just mail me a check later. And they're like, what? You, you would let me do that? And I, I said, yeah, take it. And in eight years, nobody has ever stiffed me. They have always sent me the check in the mail the week after it. And I just think Beatles, Beatles people are, are different. They're special, and they, you know, don't, haven't you found that when you're talking to them? Oh, yeah, and I think being a Beatles fan is really something that we all should be proud of. It's a good fandom to be involved in. It really, really is, and I know that you're part of our Moments page on Facebook where we're trying to post, like, jokes and uplifting quotes and songs and things like that to help people, and that's what Beatles people do. You know, they take time to really try. Well, tell us about some of these fans who've touched your heart and made an impression on you. Um, I I know that you might want to start with with that one about John, this guy that actually met him, and it kind of turned into a book, didn't it? Yes, it did, and I just stumbled upon his book searching for something totally, not even Beatles-related, on Amazon. Wow. Um, His book is called John Lennon's Tooth, and you can find it on Amazon, an e-book only, for only 99 cents. So you can't beat that. But, okay, it's this guy named David, and like many fans, you find this is a common story, This was 1967, and he went off to England on a quote-unquote study abroad program. Now, to Beatles fans in the late 60s, that meant, uh, yeah, yeah, that's going to be my ticket over there, but really I'm going to do what I can to meet the Beatles. (laughs) I find this a lot, the study abroad thing. (laughs) So he found his way to Kenwood, where John was living in 1967, and he knocks on the door. Oh and my gosh. John's housekeeper, Dot, answers the door, and he says, hi, is John home? Oh, God. And she says, he's asleep right now, but if you want to wait in the garage, I'll tell him you're here when he wakes up. So he goes <sighs> and stands in the garage, which there's the psychedelic Rolls Royce right in front of him. <sighs> and he, And he's waiting, and here comes John after a little while, and 
talks to him for a bit and then says, well, do you want to come in and eat breakfast? I'm going to eat breakfast. Do you want to come in with me? Sure. Oh, so my gosh. Oh, it gets better. Like, if that's where the story ended, that would be great. But no. <laughs> so they're <laughs> chatting, and he says, well, I have this interview in London with David Frost today. Do you want to come with me? Oh, oh Again. Well, just shoot me. Okay, so he and Peter Brown get into a car and drive off, and on their way he goes, oh, we have to pick up George. He's coming too. I hope that's all right. <laughs> oh, George Harrison's going to be there too? That's great. <laughs> so they go to the David Frost show, and but in the meet, before they got there, this guy David is in the car with just Peter Brown, John Lennon, and George Harrison from Weybridge to London. Oh, so they're they're talking and then, and he gets there and he sees all the screaming fans you know at the door greeting them and he just can't believe that here he's just in with the in crowd walking right in there yeah. and after the interview and I won't give away so in case people want to read the book John asks him okay now we have something else we have to do and you can meet the rest of the Beatles if you want to go and he takes part it not really participates but gets to witness pretty. Big deal in Beatles history. Wow. When it was all said and done. So, But he had a notebook with him, and he took notes on what they were talking about, and at the end, all four Beatles signed his notebook. Oh, my gosh. That's just crazy. That is just – what does this guy look like? Does he look like the most trusted, trusting person in the world? Why would John do this? He kind of looked like John. You know, in 67, he had the little glasses and – I don't know. And whenever they would ask John, well, who's this? He'd go, oh, that's some guy I met in the garden. (laughs) And he meets up with John later in life, too, and says, well, do you remember the, oh, yeah, the guy from the garden. Yeah, I remember you. Like, he meets him in the 70s, I think. Some guy I met in the garden. Oh, my gosh. Well, so what is this guy doing now? Um, well, he goes by the name Mr. Bonsai, and he I think he's, he writes books. I'm pretty sure that's Mr. but not Bonsai. Beatles books, but another topic. So definitely look up his book down. on Amazon. It's only 99 cents, and it's called John Lennon's Tooth. I'm all about ordering it the second this this is over with. That is amazing. See, now, if you didn't do this, people, yeah, I mean, unless they stumbled on it on Amazon, they wouldn't know about it, and that's a great, great story. It's an amazing story, and, and you're not even telling us the end, so it gets better, right? Oh, yeah. It, it, it's just unbelievable. This day that this guy had is just, it's pretty good. Mm. I love it. Well, we're going to open the phone line. So if you would like to talk to Sarah, if you met the Beatles for real and you want to share a story with her, or if you happen to be one of the people that went to Bush Stadium to see the Beatles, um, let her know. Call in and give us your story and give us your information so that she can get in touch with you. The phone number is 646-668-2600. 646-668-2641. And give us a call and we'll talk. But while we're waiting for our callers, Sarah, you've got another great story. It's a very special one about a young lady that had an encounter with George Harrison. Tell us about that one. Oh, yeah. This is another one of those where you go, really? This happened to someone? This is amazing. Right. Well, this <laughs> is the year. It's 1969. So, painting a picture of George in 1969 with the long hair. 
and there's a girl from America. Her name was Sue, and she was in England, and she wants to meet all the Beatles. So she goes up to George's house, Ken Fonz is where he was living then, and there's a little group of German fans, and they tell her, oh, don't go up there. Don't go up to the door. George is in a really bad mood today, and he doesn't want to see any fans. Wow. Well, she goes, well, this, this is my once-in-a-lifetime chance. I'm going to go up there at least look at his house closer. So she goes up a little closer, you know, looks around looks around outside of his house, and sees a man working on a car. And it was Terry Duran, who was George's driver and personal assistant for many, many years. Right. So she sees him and starts talking. She doesn't know who he really is, but just starts talking to him, says how she's from America, and she's on a holiday in England, and everything and she doesn't even mention george because she had heard from these other fans george was in a bad mood but you know and would it be all right if i take some pictures of this car and he said yeah that's fine well then another car a car pulls up and some indian musicians come out and then george comes out and he's talking to to these musicians and the musicians hand him an envelope or package or something like that and this girl is just standing there trying to blend into the, you know, like, I'm not really here. <laughs> and he just kind of looks at her and says, well, who are you? And she's like, I'm Sue. I'm from America. And he kind of ignores her, and he, she's fine with that. And she realizes she's, that she probably should go. You know, it's yeah. uncomfortable, yeah. and she saw yeah. George. She has her story. She should leave. But before she goes, she turns to Terry and asks, well, I have a long walk back. Can I get a glass of water? Well, George says, yeah, sure, come on inside. Oh, my gosh. So she follows George Harrison into his house, and he asks her, well, what do you want? Here's some choices. You have water, tea, orange soda. So she picks an orange soda and sits down at the kitchen table for 15 minutes, and she said she wishes that she kept the can or the bottle, you know, the glass bottle. Oh, really? But she didn't, like, she, afterwards she thought, why didn't I keep the bottle? Really? But she didn't. And they just sat there and talked for 15 minutes, and then about after 15 minutes, he said, well, I think it's time for you to go. Oh, she that's said, thank you. So he was actually, he was engaging her, he was actually talking to her during this time? Yeah, right. They were talking about meditation and, you know, India and things like that, you know, topics he would have been interested in to talk about in 1969. Wow. Yeah, and he that's was... That's just crazy. You know, it was very pleasant and friendly and, and welcoming to her. But, you know, after 15 minutes, it was like, okay, well, I have things to do. You need to go. So then it's funny because then she walks by those German fans, and they're just standing there with her, their mouths wide open. And she, they're like, did you see George? He goes, She's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I was just in his kitchen. <laughs> I had an orange soda. Oh, my And they're God, just standing there with their mouths wide open. <laughs> that is so funny i love it and i love you know how judith Kristen ends up with george and i think it was a coke or a pepsi or whatever this girl is george in an orange soda soda he's got this thing for offering soft drinks to people <laughs> you know i didn't think about that but you're right <laughs> it's kind of like how sheldon offers people a hot beverage when they're upset you know right well maybe that's how the harrisons in liverpool did things <laughs> That is too funny. Well, we have a caller on the line, so I'm keeping my fingers crossed. This is someone who's been to Bush Stadium. Let's see. All right. Hey, caller. Caller, how are you from the 630 area code? Well, I have not been to Bush Stadium, but I know both of you. This is Kid O'Toole. 
<laughs> I can't believe that you're taking a break from your nose to the grindstone. How are yes, you doing, my friend? I am. I am doing great. Yes, it's it's nice to it's nice to have a little break and and hear some of this wonderful beetle talk. I love it. Isn't this amazing? Oh, I I just you know the the story, and I have to say before I ask my question, you know I I, I know I've said this too before, Sarah, that you know I really the work you're doing is is so important. I mean, as as Jude said, you know there's there just isn't a lot about these these fan you know from the fans' perspective and and you know these encounters that they had and and you know the whole sort of fan culture and I think there hasn't been enough done on that and so you're you're really filling you know uh, you're you're filling this gap in in knowledge and uncovering these wonderful well, thank stories you. oh I mean really I mean just these wonderful stories that you know that we never would have heard otherwise that's right. That's yeah, a lot of people and, think, oh, nobody cares about that. That was so long ago. But, no, they're so fascinating. They really are. I mean, you know, you, yeah. I mean, and, you know, and you've uncovered these really fascinating stories and, and you know, and how the people's lives, you know, were changed by it. And, and uh, you know, so, I, I mean, really, you know, I, I just, uh, you know, so admired the, the work you've been doing over the years. And I can't wait to, to read your book next year. I'm excited yeah, me too. about I can't it. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> that is the way you should feel. That is exactly why. Well, fire away, Kit. Give her your give her your question. Well, my question is, um, you know, we I know we've talked about this before, but I'm I'm fascinated by the early fanzines that that you've uncovered. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of these, they're just these wonderful, um, you know, publications about the Beatles and from the solo years that I mean, I had never heard of, I had never seen before. And could you talk a little bit about, you know, who, you know, when did these start? Who developed these fanzines? How were they distributed? Um, you know, just just to give a little oh, yeah. background. Oh yeah, I love this stuff too. Mm-hmm. Um, the fanzine started with the Beatles fan club in in the United States. You know, there was the United States chapter, and there was the British one with with Frida Kelly. Right. Now, the one with Frida right. Kelly was ran differently than the one in the United States. The one in the United States had individual presidents, secretaries, you know, usually girls, that would run from a little section or their state, and they would run it pretty independently but with some guidance from the Beatles fan club in New York. So right. they would have their own fan magazines, like um, Pat Kinzer's Harrison Herald, which she's written about in her book, Do You Want to Know a Secret? Mm-hmm. Or there was one called Five Bites of the Apple, or the John Lennon Society. There are these different ones, and they would always put out a newsletter every other month or every three months that would that were very crudely typed up and mimeographed with photocopied pictures. But they were they would have in there stories of people that had met the Beatles like a month before. Mm-hmm. So when the fan club broke up in '72, they had to disband all of those fan magazines and that's where some of those girls that had the background in putting together the newsletters formed their own little beetle fan clubs but really weren't fan clubs anymore because the beetles had broken up and did the right thing and with a little help from my friends and the harrison alliance which were the three main fanzines in the 70s right but they were fans that banded together who had been part of the official beetles fan club Wow. 
And and did they distribute? I mean, it was just photocopied and passed around. Were there subscriptions? Uh, how, there how were subscriptions. Mm-hmm. Al Sussman was a writer for some of them. I'm discovering. Wow! Oh, yeah, that's right. That's the right thing. That's right. I forgot about that. Right, because I just was going through one, and I was like, article by Al Sussman. I'm like, well, I know you. <laughs> that is awesome. But yeah, and they would, you know, pay, and they also would sell their photographs, and that's why where some of these rare photos come from, they would sell them for like twenty five cents a photo. Now, photos that they took of the Beatles when they met them, or saw them, or whatever, for like twenty five fifty cents a copy, wow. and that's kind of how they kept their fan club running or their magazines running. But they're just photocopied and mailed out. Now, wow. was there one for the St. Louis area, and do they have some photos that you can use for your book? There wasn't that I can discover. Um, I was a member of the St. Louis Beatles fan club in the 1990s, and I'm still trying to get a hold of the people that ran that. They haven't answered my emails yet, but hopefully somebody out there has some more pictures for me. Well, I tell you what, Kit, that's a great question because that is book number two, Sarah, The History of the Fanzines. Yeah, I've thought about that too. Really, I I just think this is, it's fascinating. And, you know, I mean, really until I started reading, you know, your blog, Sarah, and, and, and our conversations, I'd never heard of this, uh, you know, and, and, it's, it, and you don't, you know, these stories shouldn't be lost. You know, in the, in well, the they midst, shouldn't. midst of time, you know. And I really admire the work that they did in the 70s with those fanzines because they didn't have the Internet. They had word of mouth and they had mm-hmm. newspaper and magazine subscriptions. Yep. You know, and they had their pen pals from across the ocean and things. And the work they did is wonderful, even though it's kind of crudely stapled together and photocopied. When you read the articles, there's wonderful writing in there. And yeah. it really should yeah. be preserved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, it was it was a labor of love for them, obviously. I mean, it oh, was, yeah. you know, it really wasn't. You know, and I just think that a lot of the, the, the magazines, magazines that are out today, like Beatle Fan and, and so forth, I mean, you know, would those exist without those predecessors, you know? And, and so I, I think it's, as I said, I, I just think these are such important stories, and, you know, and I'm so glad that, that you're doing this. You know, it's well, really thank you. I, I am appreciate too. that. That means a lot. Yeah, really. I, I mean, I am too. Important work. It really is. It is. And before you leave us, Kit, just yes. want to tell everybody that the first Kit and Caboodle show of the year is coming up on the 12th of February. And Kit and I are going to be debating in our friendly, hugging way who wrote the better love song, John <clears throat> or Paul. <laughs> oh, it's on. It's on, sister. It's on. Well, sorry, Kit, but you know whose side I'm taking on this one. I, I know. I know. I'm, I'm kind of. I'm kind of outnumbered here, but 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 I'm a fighter. I so love it. And one more thing before you leave us. How is the book going? And give us an update. Okay. Which one? <laughs> well, let's do Michael Jackson first because All I know right, that's Michael. imminent. I, as we speak, I am, I am writing, writing, writing. Um, I am turning in the manuscript, fingers crossed, next, the end of next week. Um, and so it's it's just been crazy. Um, in fact, I was just writing the other day about the Paul and, and Michael duets. Uh, right, so, good. so you know, my worlds collide, and uh, so I've been doing that. And then once I finish the manuscript, then it's on to the Beatles book. And my goal is to premiere it 
the the Beatles book at the uh, August Fest of the Chicago Fest. Awesome. Fingers, fingers crossed. So you know, I'll, right I'll keep deal. you posted. But but so that's uh, that's the thing. So just busy, busy, busy. Well, that, well, good luck, and give everybody the name of the Michael Jackson book and when you think it will be on the market. It will be called Michael Jackson FAQ, and I hope it will be out sometime this summer. It depends on uh, Hal Leonard, the, the publisher, you know, when everything is, is done. But I'm, I'm hoping it will be the summer. But if not, it will right. be the fall for sure. Okay, well, th- keep going, and we're pulling for you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Thank you keep, for calling you in. Keep, oh, absolutely, and you keep up the good work, and you keep up the good work too, Sarah. All right, good to hear from you. Thank All you right, good. talk to you See soon. you soon. Bye-bye. See you soon. Well, guys, if you happen to be listening tonight via the computer screen and you're following those photos that are scrolling across on the Blog Talk Radio website, you're going to see one crazy photo. I mean, it looks like it was staged of the Beatles performing Hey Jude in the midst of utter chaos. And Sarah, you have a story about that, don't you? Yes, and it's it's a good one too. Um well, Mal Evans and his assistant, which I didn't even realize Mal Evans had an assistant, but he did. His name was Kevin. Wow. Kevin, no, I you. love this is new. I know. His assistant, they went around and invited 300 fans and other people to participate in the Beatles promo for Hey Jude to be extras mm-hmm. in it. And they handed out these invitations. And there were some, you know, a lot of fans standing around. Apple got these invitations, and they all met and rode on a bus to Twickenham Studios. So just picture that, a bus full of Beatles fans (laughs) off to see the Beatles. How fun. So they get there. They can hear the Beatles rehearsing, but they can't see them yet, but they can hear them. So, you know, they're getting real anxious, and oh, my gosh. And Mal comes out and with tea and sandwiches, and nobody there could eat anything because they can hear the Beatles, right, like in the next yeah. room. Oh, so Mal's like, nobody oh, wants to tea and sandwiches. Like, poor guy. He worked hard to get that for him. Oh, so no. finally they get inside, and they, they're watching the Beatles, and they're practicing Hey Jude, and the Beatles are just goofing off, you know, doing some jams, singing Hang Down Your Head, Tom Dooley, and, you know, being their normal goofy selves and really yeah, good moods. Yeah. And they would chat, go around and chat with the fans, and they, the fans were told when the Beatles get to the na 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 nas, everybody's going to walk up to the stage and sing along with them, and it'll be a sing along. Well, you can tell from when you watch the video that's not exactly how things happened. <laughs> the fans decided, well, I here's my chance to be close to my favorite Beatle. So they had amongst themselves a little race going on by who can get to their favorite beetle the fastest because they want to be on TV <laughs> next to their favorite beetle. So they're kind of well, pushing sure. each other to get by. And the girl that told the story is a Paul fan, and she said during one of the rehearsals she got right next to Paul, but on the one that was broadcast she was near George. Oh, boo. <laughs> so, so when you see them all rushing up there, they were told to you know, walk on up and start singing. The na na na's will be for a sing along. No, poor Ringo almost got pushed off of the riser by some fans that were rushing up to be next to Ringo, the Ringo fans, and, and Ringo was just laughing about it. But because of all this chaos, 
the poor fans had to be there for four hours practicing over and over again. <laughs> oh, yeah, poor fans. I know, four hours worth of practicing Hey Jude. <laughs> so like, oh. it was, I guess it was a good time. Well, then most of the fans all went back off on the bus, but there was a small group of them that was like, we're not getting on that bus, the Beatles are still here. Why would we leave? <laughs> They're still here. So they just stayed. And they sat there and watched while the Beatles were recording their introduction with David Frost, which you've probably seen on the anthology. Yeah. And the Beatles just were like, okay, fine, you can stay. (laughs) They were fine with that. Uh, And then um, after that, one of the girls asked Paul, can I get my picture taken with you? And he said, sure, okay. And, of course, now here's another story of something that happens all the time. Click, the camera doesn't take the picture. The camera suddenly doesn't work. Right. So Paul takes a camera, and he's fiddling with it, trying to get it to work, and he gets called away, and sorry, love, can't can't do it. And, of oh. course, as soon as he hands it back, flash, there's a, the picture goes off of nothing. Oh. So they, the Beatles go off and watch the rushes of the Hey Jude, and then they come back, and the girl got to get a picture of John, Paul, and Yoko, which has been around the Internet now for a while. But yeah. they got to yeah. chat with them and talk about how did the, how did the performance look, and the only problem those four girls found was that then they were stranded at Twickenham Studios and had to get back into London. And if you've ever been to London, Twickenham Studios isn't walking distance. So yeah, they had to try yeah. to scrounge up money for a cab. But I think it would be wow. worth it. Yeah, it definitely would be worth it. Did she ever get her picture made with Paul? No. Oh. She just got the picture of Paul and John and then Yoko's in the background. Oh. That was the only snapshot that she was able to get but not one of her and Paul. That is what a day, and it's so funny that Ringo was enjoying it. I think I would have been terrified, but he was laughing and having a You can see he's having a great time. Right. Well, that's what what the girl said was that, and Ringo, like, he almost got pushed off from the fans that wanted to be by him, and he just laughed about it. Yeah, he was well. That that is that's unbelievable. I mean, these people were so fortunate. I wonder if they realize how. I guess they do. How truly lucky that was history. They were there. I don't know if they realized it at the time, but I think now that time has passed, they do. Yeah, and I wonder, you know, how at the end of the Fest for Beatles fans, on Saturday night when we have the concert and we start singing Hey Jude, and then we all go up on the stage on the Na Na Na's. Is that an homage to what they were doing there? Maybe it is. There you go. I don't know. Have it's to a, ask it's Mark Lapidus about that. Because that's what they did, you know. It, it is. I mean, it, it is kind of a it, good way to end it. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Well, it makes for a good forward. Good video. Yeah. Well, well, let's go up to 1975. So John now is living in New York, and a group of fans hear that he's going to be on a radio station. So tell us what happened. Well, they actually hear his voice on the radio, and he was promoting the rock and roll album. And this was early 75, like February of 1975. I mean, they weren't Uh even sure if John was in New York or in L.A., and here he was on a New York radio station. So their thought process was, if we hear John and he's live at the radio station, we know where John Lennon is right now, and he has to leave that building eventually. (laughs) Right? I mean, that's so they rush out to where they knew where the radio station was, and they weren't that far from it. It was kind of snowy, I think, from what I, what I recall them saying. 
and they waited out there and outside the station with their transistor radios listening to the interview. I love and it. eventually John came out and he's wearing this like big fluffy hat. You know, they yeah. see the pictures see the pictures going by because it was really cold. It was in February in New York. And John was in a really upbeat mood and he was Signed autographs where there was probably you know a handful of people, maybe ten fans, and posed pictures with everybody. And was just really in a great mood, and he got in his car and left. And so they decided to follow him. Oh, See no. where's John Lennon going? And they followed him to the Dakota, which was pretty surprising because they thought he was still with May Pang. Right, right. February, he got back together with Yoko. So it was like these fans got this inside scoop before the rest of the world at the um, on March 1st on the Grammy Awards was when it kind of was well known that John and Yoko are back together. But these fans kind of got a little scoop ahead of time because they saw him get out of the car and go into the Dakota. Wow. That's big. Right. For that time, that would have been big, huge news. If you were John, yeah, Lennon. I mean, yeah, if it had been the days of Facebook, that would have hit Facebook that night, and everybody in the world would have known. Oh yeah, definitely, it would have been tweeted and all of that stuff. TMZ probably yep. would have been there. No joke, no joke. They would have broken the story. Well, let me ask you this. This just occurred to me. If I wanted to find that particular story tonight on your website, how would I go about doing that? Well, on the right-hand side of the blog, I have the tags. And I have tags of all sorts of things, fans' names. So if you want to look up, you know a certain fan's name, you want to look up, all the stories from that fan will show up. Or if you want to look up a certain location or Beatles event, all that is there. If it's not there, there's a search box on the left side, and you can type in, like John Lennon Radio Station, and it should come right up. Okay, that is great. That is very user-friendly. I mean, I've tried to organize it so you can go through the archives and find things. I find myself doing it a lot. I refer back to my blog all the time for different things. So I try to make it easy for me, and I think if it's easy for me, hopefully all the readers will find it easy too. Well, that is great. Well, you have another caller on the line, so let's bring them on. Okay. Hey, caller from the 212 area code. Hi, Jude. It's Susan Ryan calling from New York. Yay, Susan. How are you? (laughs) I'm good. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Susan. (laughs) I had to call in because I'm enjoying listening to the show, and I want to tell everybody how much I love your blog and how fascinating I find all the stories. Thank you. mm -hmm. I'm sorry? Oh, I just said thank you. Oh, you're welcome. And I also wanted to talk a little bit about how, what an invaluable part of our Women's Historians panel at the Fest you have been and how wonderful and knowledgeable you are on a variety of topics. And we love having you as part of our panel. And I'm looking forward to that again in Chicago. I wish you were coming to New York in March. <laughs> yeah. Wish I could go to New York in March, too. Yeah, but we'll have you on the panel again in Chicago, so that'll be good. I wanted to ask you about a story that we have in common that was on your blog. You know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah. The story about the girl from the newsreel yes, and how Bonnie. you managed to find her. I did. 
I'm still kind of amazed. Yeah, um, if you've ever seen the Complete Beatles video, mm-hmm. which was predates the anthology, it's only VHS, um, there's a clip from there of this girl with this very heavy accent, Eastern right. New York, New Jersey, I don't know. Brooklyn, Susan, you know more. <laughs> yeah. Brooklyn. <laughs> Brooklyn, okay. She has this very heavy accent, though. And she has this painting of Paul McCartney, and she's standing outside the hotel, and it's the sprout of the new generation. And, I think and I'm sure there are fans know. all over America nodding their heads right now. They know exactly who the sprout of the new generation uh-huh. girl is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because she's just, <laughs> she just she's always stood out. Yeah. <laughs> So I went on Susan's tour, of, uh, Beatles tour of New York, and she talks about that, and and I said, I'm going to try to find her. Wow. Why not? I'll try to find her. So I put a thing up on the blog about her, and sure enough, she emails me, and her name ah. is Bonnie, and she had no idea that everyone in Beatle fandom knows who she is as a Sprout of the New Generation girl. <laughs> she had no idea <laughs> that that was really? like, well known, that everybody wonders who this girl is. She said she made that painting and she delivered it to the Warwick Hotel where the Beatles were staying and was promised it would get to Paul, but she never would know. No, she never knew what happened to it. And she's still an artist and she can paint the painting and she will sell it to you. <laughs> How about that? How about that? So she just emailed you and, and that is that's incredible. You you guys must have been so excited when that happened. When I Sarah, was. It, when Sarah emailed me and told me she heard from this girl, I almost fell over in shock. <laughs> it was amazing. It was that, amazing. That is and so great. Now, Susan, that's one of the neat things Susan about the on, blog. Yeah, really. Is how really. Well, to me, the most the special part of my blog is all the people that have gotten reconnected through it. Mm-hmm, fans that right. used to hang out together outside of Abbey Road or in New York, outside the Dakota or wherever, who have right. been apart for 30 years because of my blog have rekindled their friendships. And, and that's really been what what makes it special to me. Mm-hmm. It does. It really, bringing those people together and, and reconnecting them. And Susan, speaking of your women's uh, historians panel, who's going to be on it in New Jersey? I'm still getting the panel together because I'm trying to find out who's coming to the fest. At this moment, I know for sure that it's going to be myself, uh, Judith Kristen, and possibly Candy Leonard, I have to ask her. I'm still trying to get a few people together because some of the people I thought were coming to New York are unable to make it. So I'm still getting the panel together and probably won't know for maybe two or three weeks, but I will have it all together before the fest. And we've got an interesting topic for discussion this time around. Um, Last year we discussed the Beatles' legacy at the three fests, and this year we're going to be talking about women and their influence on the Beatles, as in their mothers, their sisters, their aunts, their wives, whoever. Um, And we're going to have a discussion about, uh, because all of the Beatles came from families with strong women. Yeah, yeah. And so we, we're going to be talking about that um, at here and in Chicago. But I'm still getting my New York panel together. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, we will look forward to seeing you in New York. We, I wish we could get Sarah free from her day job, but once that book comes out, maybe that will happen. You never know. Sarah, I don't know. We, the kids. <laughs> I have to teach the kids. Well, but Sarah, it was wonderful hearing you on Jude's show tonight. 
and getting to call in and say hello. Thank well, you. I'm glad Susan. to hear from you. <laughs> Thank you. Look so forward to much. seeing we you in Chicago. Having you. Yes, I'm looking forward to seeing seeing you in Chicago as well, Sarah, and looking forward to seeing you in New York, Jude. Okay, see you in just a few weeks. Thank you so, All right, so much. Thanks a lot, friend. ladies. Bye. Bye. Right, see you soon. Now, one another event that you're going to be participating in that I'm really looking forward to, and I know you are too, is you and Kit and I will all be at Beatles at the Ridge. Um, you're going to be one of our guest authors for the Beatles at the Ridge Authors and Artists Symposium, which is going to be September 18th and 19th. So tell us what you're going to be doing there, Sarah. Well, um, I'm going to be set up at a booth, and people can come and talk to me and tell me their stories about when they met the Beatles in person, and I could add them to the list of the blog. And if anyone saw the Beatles at Bush Stadium, they can come and bring their pictures or their mementos and sit and chat with me about the Beatles. That sounds like a lot of fun. And I'm also going to have a panel discussion with some people that have met the Beatles and have stories to share. And that sounds so exciting, doesn't it? It does. And I tell you what, that town has so many wonderful characters. That's all that you can say because their personalities are larger than life. And I can't wait to get five or six of them up there talking about that day when the Beatles came to Walnut Ridge. Isn't that going to be a, a – it's going to be just exciting to hear all of their stories intermesh, don't you think? I know. I'm really excited about it. It's really going to be fun. And, you know, I haven't thought too hard about what all I'm going to do, but I'm sure there will be some giveaway surprises that I'll I'll find because my blog, I have giveaways all the time. We have contests quite frequently, so I'm sure I'll have something at the Ridge as well. Well, that'll be great. Well, we've got one more caller. We're almost out of time, but let's see if we can get this caller in. Hey, caller from 978 Area Code. Welcome to the show. Hello. Hi, Jude, and great to be here. Hello, Sarah. Hello. My, name's, my name is very familiar to Jude. It's Tom Aguiar. Oh, Tom, I'm so glad you're listening. Thank you so much for calling. Oh, love the show. And I really, my ears perked up when, Sarah, you started talking about the old Beatle fanzines. Because I yeah. have a lot of them in my uh, collection, Good Day Sunshine from Charles Rosenay out of Connecticut. Yeah, uh, I have quite a few of those, too. Yeah, Strawberry Fields Forever from the late Joe Pope, Joe Pope yeah. out of the Boston area, and Working Class Hero uh, by the late Bob Wattmauer out of Pittsburgh. Yes, I have. Well, I subscribe to quite a few of those, too. But, yeah, I have a lot of those. I you really like collecting my the fanzines. They're one. really fun. I'm yes, waiting they for were. You to mention my, what about my favorite one? Oh, yes. Um, uh, I don't know if it's your favorite one. Thank you for saying that. Uh, Octopus yeah, is one of the few actually holding your hand fanzines that are still published today in the United States. When did you Very start cool. that, Tom? What's that? What what year did you start Octopus's Garden? 1993. Wow. And we're still going strong. We're going to be hitting 25 years in September. Oh, that's fantastic. And you're still putting it together by hand and mailing it out and doing it with love, aren't you? Yes, we try to uh, design it after the old-style fanzines that uh, Sarah was talking about. And our subscribers seem to really enjoy it. Yeah, I absolutely. So I, that's great. Love I'm gonna have it. to learn more about that. 
Well, you know what I think we need to do, Tom? I think we need to get her, I think for coming on the show tonight, I need to get her a subscription. Don't you think so? I have her. You've got all the information how she can get in touch with me. I'll be more than happy to uh, talk with her, send her out a sample, and uh, if she'd like, you know, she can subscribe. All right. Well, I'll write to you tonight after the show. How are you feeling? Is your leg better? Oh, it's been eight weeks tomorrow that I had the surgery. I'm still in the leg brace. And uh, hopefully next week when I see the doctor, the surgeon, I'll be able to get this thing off and uh, get on to the next phase of my rehabilitation. Well, we're keeping you every single day in my prayers, every day. Well, I thank you. And I've been working on the next issue, hopefully get this one out uh, in March when it's scheduled to. As you know, Jude, uh, the last one went out late because I was in the hospital having a surgery. Yeah, but but that was okay. We were glad to wait for it. It was full of great information. I have really enjoyed it. So you well, just get well, and we'll you know we'll have another great year of Octopus's Garden. And I love that you're doing it in the style of the old fanzines. It's it's a great publication. Well, as Sarah mentioned, all those fans that did it back in the 70s, uh, they did it with love, and uh, that's the reason I do it. Well, thank yeah, you so, so That's so why I do much. my blog as well. It's just love for the band. That's, that's right. it. That's what, we keep it going. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you, and you get better, Tom. Thank you, and great show, and Sarah, I love listening to your stories. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye, uh, bye, See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, Sarah, so we appreciate so much you being here with us tonight. And I'm looking forward to seeing you in Chicago and then again at Beatles at the Ridge. And for all the people that don't know, our our lineup for Beatles at the Ridge is going to be Lena Stagg from Recipe Records, Kid O'Toole, who will have her brand-new book, Songs We Were Singing, about the Beatles. It will just have come out. Ken Womack, who did the Beatles Encyclopedia and Long and Winding Roads, and, of course, the great Ivor Davis, who toured with the Beatles in 1964. He's, he's going to be speaking on Friday night about his adventures with the lads. And Sarah will be, as she said, talking about um, the people in Walnut Ridge who actually met the Beatles for real, which, of course, is the name of her website, Meet the Beatles for Real, and then collecting information for her book about Bush Stadium and for the website that weekend. Liverpool Legends is going to be playing. My husband, Rand Kessler, is going to be one of our featured artists there. And Seth Swirsky is going to be there um, he created the film Beatles Stories. He's going to be showing the film and then talking about how it was made. So we're going to have a lot of fun, and I think you and Seth really have a lot in common, don't you, Sarah? Yeah, you know, I saw his film at one of the Fest for Beatles fans. It was premiered there several years ago, and I just I was like, wow, he's doing what I do on my blog, but on a movie. I was like, I need to meet him. So I'm really excited at the chance to meet him. Yeah, he really is capturing, like, celebrity Meet the Beatles for Real people, and you're capturing every man Meet the Beatles for Real, and I think you right. could actually it really do a kind film of goes, together. Yeah, it goes together really well. Well, I and it just it's going to be a great, great time, and I hope that some people hear this or listen to it in archive and send you information. Tell Carl I said hello, and I can't wait to see you in Chicago at the Fest for Beatles fans, girl. All right. Well, she, my mom, Thank you. is listening tonight. So, hi, mom. 
Hey, girl, how are you? Well, guys, next week we're going to do something a little bit off the beaten path. Instead of having a guest, I'm going to be back sharing the stories behind the songs on the LP, Beatles for Sale. You know, we just had the 50th anniversary, so we're going to talk about what are those songs about, how have they stood the test of time, what musical techniques were used, and how are people reacting to them 50 years later. So don't miss a whole hour. We'll play little segments from each song and talk about every single track on Beatles for Sale. And then the following week, yep, you asked for it, you got it. We're going to have the first Kit and Caboodle show. And as we said earlier, Kit O'Toole will be joining me, and we're going to de- be debating John or Paul, who wrote the better love song. Of course, Kit's championing the cause of Sir Macca, and I, strangely enough, will be standing by my man, John Lennon. So it's going to be one fun and factual show, and may the best woman and the best man win. So if Kit's listening... <laughs> Sarah, a million thanks for being here, and I appreciate all you're doing to let people know about the people who met the Beatles for real. Any closing information you'd like to leave with them? Um, I just want to remind everyone, um, my website is meetthebeatlesforreal.com. If you look at the top, there is something that says happiness is seeing the Beatles, how to help Sarah with her book, and I do have a GoFundMe going to help raise funds for some photos that I'd like to purchase. That's very, very important. And send her photos. If you have photos, she needs them. They're very difficult to get. So please help her out. Visit her website, Meet the Beatles for Real, and read the stories there. Send her your adventures and buy your tickets for the New Jersey Fest for Beatles fans. They're on sale just for another day or so. So make sure that you do that. Until next week, all the best to you and yours. Ta-ra and shine on.